0: Welcome to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Brought to you by the Old Orchard Pub. There's a lead
1: pass in on Boba David Scores! 3-1
0: Canada!
2: Here's the 1-2 pitch from Martinez. The two-one pitch. Cordero swings, base hit. The Expos will win. The Expos will win. Cordero with a base hit to win the ball
0: game in the bottom of the ninth inning. The drought is over. Drink it in, Canada. World champions. And now here's your host, Elliot Price. Price.
3: Grant Robinson filling in for Elliot Price tonight. Why does this generation hate its superstars? LeBron James, Tom Brady, and Sidney Crosby are three of the greatest athletes of all time, yet instead of celebrating them, we criticize. Sidney Crosby has been the best player in the NHL year in and year out, and is putting up numbers no one in our generation could rival. Won his team two Stanley Cups, individual MVPs, won his country gold medals, and instead of being celebrated, he's a whiner and a crybaby. LeBron James has literally never been in an ounce of trouble in his entire career, has made it to the finals, an NBA record times in a row, won how many MVPs. Uh, LeBron's the only player who deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as Michael Jordan, yet we call him a flopper, A whiner, we criticize him for wanting a good team around him while we celebrate the Warriors, who have four all-NBA players in their lineup. And then Tom Brady, this guy came into the NFL with no expectations, took a laughingstock franchise to new heights, and made them a model of consistency and success. He only wins because of Belichick, some say. How many Super Bowls has Bill won without Tom? Did Jordan win without Phil Jackson all the time? As for the cheating, get over the tuck rule and reducing air pressure for one game. uh, Those differences are not the difference between a Hall of Fame career and a bum. He had a season where he threw for 50 touchdowns, and this year he threw 14.5 touchdowns for every interception he threw. Let that sink in. We judge LeBron and Brady by saying they've lost in the finals and they haven't won every time they've gotten there. Yet we celebrate guys like Kevin Durant or Aaron Rodgers who've only made it to one. They would need to make five more finals, and they could lose every one of them even, just to make it into the same conversation as these two. Think about that for a second. Did other generations judge Wayne Gretzky for not getting hit? Did people judge Jordan uh, for having Jackson and Pippen help him win championships? Or judge Joe Montana because Steve Young stepped in after him and won? No. They were all appreciated and celebrated. So let's try to appreciate our generation's versions of those guys and Sidney Crosby, LeBron James, and Tom Brady.
0: And, lights. He just wants to
3: be and welcome to Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price, but without Elliot Price tonight. Uh, it's Grant Robinson here. I'm hosting tonight. And Freddie, who has filled in with me before, he's not in. He had a prior commitment. So we we went to the, I don't know if you want to say the trade market, you know, like the, the waiver wire, but that sounds cheap. It, it was more, you know, the farm system, not even, right? This was, this was, uh, I used to do. A show with AJ. Me and AJ are good friends. Andrew Jones. Welcome welcome to the show, AJ. Reunited and it feels so good, oh, right? Oh man, I should that should have been the song. You're right. right? You're right. Reunited. And it feels <laughs> so good. Now that's like you say. you see, it just vibes. It just vibes with us. But no, it's it's thank you for coming in. No problem. Man. Uh look, lots to talk about tonight. NHL football, uh, I'm sure we're going to touch NBA but bit, too. Look, I, I was thinking that's what we're talking about tonight. Who better to call in for the show uh, than you? So, so much hate and trauma. Oh, man, it's everywhere. Well, look, we're, we're going to be in a... You, you heard what I just said about LeBron James I and agree, stuff, though. and Sidney Crosby's kind of died down. People seem to like yeah, him again, Yeah, but he used to get it. like Just like LeBron and Brady and... I know Romo gets into all the guys like that, but he's not Hall of Fame nah, like best ever conversation, nah. so hate him if you want.
4: These guys, like, come on, guys. Nice, man. It, I guess we'll get into it later,
3: I, and I understand there's two sides. Like yeah, I, I'm exactly, not saying like yeah. them. I'm saying I, respect. Me, as a
4: as a Brady hater, I hate him. But, I respect but you know how good greatness. he is. That's exactly. what I mean. Yeah. It's
3: people that, that kind of, well, he wouldn't win without Belichick. Well, maybe not, but maybe Belichick doesn't win without him. Exactly. I actually think that's a guarantee. How many do you win in Cleveland? Well, nobody wins in Cleveland. <laughs> exactly. But, but uh, look, that's <laughs> there. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to have Arp and Basu on. John Shannon as always. Uh, we're going to have Jorge Sanchez who's going to uh, kind of look. Again, it's more of a local thing, but he's mm-hmm. going to let you guys know what's happening uh, in that world. Again, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to go to a quick break here. We'll be right back with the Open Opening face-off,
0: tackling the latest headlines and the hottest topics. It's time for the opening face-off with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson
3: and Andrew Jones. Woo. And no Elliot Price. Aww. So that that's wrong. But we didn't have time <laughs> to work up a whole new theme there. That's okay. uh, But what do you got for me, AJ?
4: Um, first things first. You know I got to get to the LeBron realist. issue. Oh, well, oh, you're the realist. yeah. you're
3: talking about the the Charles Barkley, is that oh, where we're going. Hate.
4: The hate and the heat that's going on between these two is ridiculous. So
3: it's, you, you mean specifically between Barkley and LeBron? Not yes. in general, like my my thing at the beginning was in general. Oh, no, you no. mean more the Barkley. And, and for those that might not know,
4: what's what, what started this? How how did this go about? Look, we all know J- Charles Barkley likes to pop off every once in a while. It's his job, he, in a sense. And he's one of those guys that doesn't care about what other people think mm-hmm. of him. He just has his opinions, he spits them out. Where I think both men crossed the line, but where Charles Barkley started the whole thing was... Essentially saying that LeBron James was a bit of a whiner. He should be satisfied with the team that he had because he won the championship last year. He really has no grounds for complaining about the fact that they have a 15th man open or a 15th spot open that hasn't been reserved for a player.
3: By the way, that's all wrong. Like, uh, yeah. you can't ask for a better team because you won. Golden State set a record, signed the best, well, not yeah, the, best player, in the NBA, best player in the world. Yeah, yeah, like, come on. Like, don't, I understand where if, if Golden State didn't change anything, Maybe, okay, you don't. But once they do, man, mm-hmm. this is an arms race. Right. You gotta answer when, if, if you're first place and a team's second, but they had an all-star, well, you're maybe second now. Agreed. You, you have to answer. And there is no answer out there that you can go get that's as big as Durant. No. So, you better do what's second best mm-hmm. because, uh, I'll be honest, I I think they're in trouble. And I was a big, I said on air last year when they were down 3-1, it's not over. I really did believe in Cleveland last year. Mm -hmm. Cleveland, there's some problems there, man. I don't blame
4: LeBron for wanting some help. Look at the way they're playing. Kevin Love is not an all-star. Don't you find it hilarious, though, that LeBron James, the best player in the world, he has all the right to complain if he feels like he doesn't have the goods to win the championship. We complain about a lot of owners that don't spend enough money. To win or feel the you know the, the mm-hmm. need to win, yet the best player in the world is looking for some help because he wants to bring another chip to Cleveland. Yet we are berating this guy. I don't, I, get, the, I I don't get the logic.
3: I agree. And, and you know what? To say he, I get the look. You could call him a whiner if you want. Say what you want. And LeBron, I think what bothered LeBron one hundred percent was he doesn't compete. You, are that's, you crazy? This guy competes cold, yeah. more. I mean, I talked about that part a bit yesterday. Like, LeBron James is the ultimate mm-hmm. competitor. He, he was on Miami. They won a championship. Cleveland was last place. Yeah. He left Miami to go to Cleveland. Everybody else stayed, or all the big pieces. Miami, not champions, not a playoff team. They're closer to where Cleveland was. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, everybody says, well, he's got Kyrie. He had they had Kyrie. They were last <laughs> exactly. place. Yep. The difference is LeBron James and he switches from one team makes one go from a championship to without him a nobody team yeah. and he makes the worst team into a championship contender. This guy makes the finals no matter who he plays with. So Seven how are we how are we even having this like I, I understand what Barkley said and you know what I kind of like that LeBron shot like, back. Man, LeBron sh- Shot back. Yeah. He didn't just like, oh, Barkley should shut his mouth. He went personal. That's where I thought uh, it was over the line. I agree, bro. but I, he's never crossed the line. No. Like, I like that LeBron. This shows me, oh, my God, he's human. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my exactly. God, he has feelings. He's never. You never heard a rumor about him cheating on his wife. You never heard a rumor True. about him out partying till 3 a.m. This guy's won so many championships. The pressure of the world's on him. Look at what happened to Tiger Woods. Yeah. Look at what happened to all these guys that are up there, that are in the spotlight, can have anything they want. They go take it. LeBron is a family man. He's a great father. Mm-hmm. He's a great husband. He's a great role model. He's never been caught with drugs, anything like that. This guy does everything right. Right. And to criticize him because he wants to bring another championship to Cleveland, what's wrong with that? You know what would be wrong? Saying, I'm fine with second place. Exactly. Don't worry about what's exactly. going on. Like yeah. that. This is a competitor. This is him competing.
4: Especially for a guy who brought a championship to Cleveland, of all places, where you figure, you know what? That one championship in Cleveland, Hall of Fame status right away.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to do by the way, yeah. just to be clear. Yep. Uh, so that that's there. Um, look, again, that's that what do you, what do you got
4: next though? Tom Brady's legacy, you already talked about the fact that we got to respect our, you know, the legends of the game. Do you find that 5 and 2 will cement his legacy or will 4 and 3 hurt the legacy?
3: Look, I'm a firm believer. Now, does it change it?
4: 100%.
3: Anybody who says it doesn't change it it is lying to themselves. Mm. Because it's absolutely going to change. Is he still one of the best ever, whether he wins or loses? 100%. Because we talk about the Buffalo Bills, how they were a great team. They made it four times, didn't win a single one. That hurts. But that's hard to make it there. You are still the champion of your league. Let's remember that, Mm. right? So I don't think it changes him I don't believe Joe Montana's the best ever because he was four and zero. I'm not saying he's not the best ever, but I'm saying it's not. There's more to the argument than than just well, what was his record in the finals? Because to me, it's the same argument about LeBron James. Yeah. Except LeBron James has more. Like you watch him physically, he is the best. Yeah, like he has that. Tom Brady, you watch him, and you're like, meh. Like there's nothing special about him. It's what he does on the field. But I, I'll say this: five and two. To me, cements because because he could have easily been four and three or three and three already. It's true, because that one play. But again, people who say that the Giants should have lost both of those, so yeah. he could have easily maybe not that could have been his first loss. So <laughs> exactly. things even out. I'm not gonna say he's not the greatest ever if he loses this. I'm not gonna say he is the greatest ever if he wins. But I think people who do say that five and two Good is argument. is a better argument yeah. than four yeah. and three. Where, where do you stand on it?
4: Look, either way. Patriots fans, you know, you're going to love hearing this and, you know, Brady haters, cover your ears. But regardless of what happens this Sunday, I still feel he is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in, of all time. And I feel sick saying this because I'm a Ravens fan.
3: Well, no, I, I get it, man. I, I get what you're saying. Like it's, it's,
4: it's You can't deny it. I mean, and I, I really feel like with the players that he's had around him, aside from Gronk and aside from Randy Moss, and that was one year, Randy Moss. like, year, you look exactly. at his
3: support and cast, they always leave. Yeah. There, how many Hall of Famers are on that team?
4: <laughs> maybe
3: like, I'm doing yeah, a panel on true. Sportsnet tomorrow <laughs> with, with yep. Elias Makos and that, and I'm bringing, like, if they ask me about the, the greatness of the Patriots or mm-hmm. the greatness of Tom Brady necessarily, right. I'm not saying he's the best. I look at Aaron Rodgers physically, I think he's a better quarterback than yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. I think Tom Brady has done more, I think Tom Brady has proven more, mm-hmm. and I think the track record is there, and you can't use these Jordans or Joe Montanas and say they never lost. They had good luck those four games. And they had good teams. And, and it teams, doesn't mean yeah. anything. But like bad luck happens, man. Like yep. don't tell me Jordan couldn't lose to these Warriors. It, I'm not saying he would, but it could have happened. Oh, yeah, you never sure. know, man. Yeah. Like
4: so. You can't I, compare. It. It, it's it's, it's a very
3: impossible. similar argument to what I say with LeBron. Yep. And I'm not. I'm a LeBron. I love LeBron. Me too. I don't love Tom Brady. I don't hate him, but I don't love him. But Ugh. if I were to say his record in the Super Bowl changes my opinion of him. Then how do I defend LeBron James? True, because it's a similar thing. Yeah. Like I know he doesn't have Bill Belichick, and and there are differences, but mm-hmm. to me, man, you made it this many times. That says something. It does. You know, like that yeah. says something. And and win or lose, making another Super Bowl already added to your legacy. It's just winning it gives you that yeah, gives fifth you ring that, yeah, exactly, and it yeah. and it makes some. It takes away one argument that people use against you away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of with you on that, and and we're neither of us are really Tom Brady guys necessarily. No, no. Just
4: look, and at the end of the day, look, as a football fan, like you, you can't you can't deny greatness. It's just it's impossible. And what you're seeing from Tom Brady, I mean, the guy, well, he missed out on four games, still threw for over 30 touchdowns. What two picks all year? I mean. That's crazy, man. At 14 and a half
3: touchdowns yeah. to, to every interception. Yeah. Now, again, that's because he only threw two, mm-hmm. but he only threw two. Yeah, like your quarterback is Joe Flacco. Oh. I had Tony Romo early in his career before he stopped the interceptions. Yeah. We understand that two interceptions is a bad quarter mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's a bad quarter. Like this guy, that's a season's worth. Thirty nine, huh? And they don't run the ball all the time. <laughs> they they go, man. Yeah. They go. So and he's thirty nine. That's
4: scary. Oldest non-kicker yeah. in the league. And he says he wants to go on for another one. I believe Three it. years of me, too. I, I oh, believe yeah. it. Would you retire after this one, though? I mean, <sighs> Tom Brady, no. No. The,
3: the way I played, no. Because I think I can make it again. I'll retire when I think I can't make yeah. it again. And even then, man, it, it's hard. These guys, what, do you, what are you when you retire, right? You're the man right now. And yeah. you're still good. You know what? He wins five. I mean, I'm not judging him if he walks away. Mm-hmm. But this isn't Peyton Manning. No. Nah. Peyton Manning was done. When he retired. Peyton Manning was done before he retired. by a thread. But Tom Brady's not there yet. Does he want to do it before he ends up ending like Peyton? Maybe. I won't judge him.
4: It'd be nice to. I think it'd be easier (laughs) for
3: him to walk away if he does.
4: So we'll see. Um, Now, as a hockey fan that you are, what's your take on the Toronto Maple Leafs actually making this run? I've been saying, look, all year I said...
3: I don't care what happens this year. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. I don't care what happens this year. I want development. Yeah. I am shocked. Man. Yeah, shocked with how uh, Mitch Marner uh, after Austin Matthews' four goal, mm-hmm. five point debut. Yeah, I said Mitch Marner will have more points than him. I got laughed on at on this show. Scary. Yeah. Right now he has more points. Yeah. Mitch Marner is a star. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews, hear me out. I knew it was going to be good. Like he's a star. He's not Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. He's not like that game changer where like the speed is just unbelievable. I thought he was going to settle in like a Jonathan Taves. And I'm not saying the the Selkie Jonathan Taves. I mean that that dominant center, very good in the faceoff dot, good all around, big body, strong two-way game, and settles in between 60, 65 to 70 points is his ceiling. That's what I would have thought.
4: We'll take that, yeah.
3: Are you kidding me doing man? right now? This guy is a rookie. Is <laughs> playing with he's not playing with Mitch Marner. Nope. He's not playing with James Van Like nope. He is playing with Connor Brown and Zach Hyman. <laughs> like they put him on the ice last night with Mitch Marner, and I couldn't look away, man. Like oh, it was, it was. They didn't score. It's not on the stat sheet, but when you watch, like these guys are talented. I don't care what happens this year, still. But I'll be honest. I watched them play, and, and barring last night, looked at a bad period. Yeah, no question. But I watched them play recently. You can't tell me that there's any team in the East right now, or, or West right now, mm-hmm. that if they play a seven-game series, that Toronto has zero chance. Yeah. And last year, I 100% could have told you, zero chance that they win this series. Agreed. And if they make the playoffs, they have no chance of winning a cup now. Am I putting money on them to win the cup? God, no. No. They have a lot of holes on defense, but again, they're playing good hockey. They're, they're only going to get better when it comes to these young players. Now, does that mean they don't hit a wall this year? No. No. Where I'm at is at the beginning of the year. I love the idea of trading James Van Riemsdyk for a defenseman. Okay, that this is how I know how I feel about the Leafs now because right. you get that future defenseman, James Van Riemsdyk, after next season is a free agent, he's gone. He, you're agree. probably yeah, not signing him for seven million right now. He's no, four point no, something, no. seven million. You're probably not signing him. He won't settle for less than six. Again, maybe he's a part of it the way he's playing this year. Mm. But I look at him now and I don't want to move him. Because I see that line, Bozak, him, and Marner. I see how good the Leafs are running with three scoring lines, and I say, right now you have a chance. Mm -hmm. You do have a chance. I'm not saying they're they're a top team. I'm not saying they can't miss the playoffs. They can. Mm -hmm. But if they get in, it's not a team I necessarily want to play. True. And now you could say that about almost anyone, but I'm being honest, and yes, I am a Leafs fan, but you know I've been pretty real on the show.
4: As as Leafs fans go you are probably the most steady of the group as far as you know you're level headed i appreciate that not too that. high and i'm i'm being serious when i say this i mean like you can't say that a lot about lease fans but level headed like you you know you can see you can be real about what you see in the team but i agree with you all the way man i mean the expectations were so they were like, tep- you know, tepid, you know, they were very like low. But... Everybody was saying three years from now. I said exactly, at the beginning yeah. of the year, it's
3: not, not going to be five years. Yeah. I said that. I said this team is one defenseman away yeah. from being good. I did not. But now, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, they didn't take time no. like they might have. You yeah. know, they, Mitch Marner, is he ready for the NHL? That was the member. He's too small. He's not going to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Anybody saying that now? Wait, what do you think? You think they make it? Not the cup, obviously. We're no, not even we're having not that cup, We're talking uh, no, playoffs right playoffs, now.
4: Playoffs, look. If they make the playoffs, uh, to me, Babcock is coach of the year. A hundred, I, look, I like Jake Gardner is a good defenseman right yeah, now.
3: Yeah. Jay Gardner was not a good defenseman. He can score mm-hmm. He while well, he can skate, but he cannot play defense. No. He can play defense right now. Nazem Kadri is a Selkie candidate. Yeah. I'm not even joking. I know it sounds crazy, that. Exactly. but Nazem Kadri, yeah. a guy who people thought was just... You know, dirty hits, which I still don't think is that. I think he's a great uh, hitter. He has some. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you're an aggressive guy, it's going to happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he has completely changed his game around. Who would ever thought. And, and look at him now. So to me, man, uh, I couldn't. I've never been this excited I say to be the a least fan. Out. I really do. Yeah, man, I, I, knew I, right I, I knew I invited the right guy. I knew I invited the right guy for the show. I hate say that, too. So look, yeah. well, that, that's the end of opening face-off. We'll be back with some voices. Stay with us. The opening face-off with Elliot Price and Grant
0: Robinson.
3: Welcome back to to the Voices portion here. Look, it's been pretty good news for Habs fans this year. Let's not lie, they've been first place all season. Lots of injuries, yet the team just keeps on rolling. And all off-season, the questions were... Max Pacioretty is he the worst captain in NHL history? Is this guy even worth the spot? Why isn't he scoring? And I don't think anybody is talking anymore because this is what happened last night.
2: Pacioretty's on it, up ahead for Alexander Radulov. Radulov cutting in, to Pacioretty scores. <laughs> Foligno that interception now grabbed by Dino, right in front. Pacioretty scores.
4: Alexander Radulov sets up the captain again for his second of
2: the night, and it's 2-0. Radulov with a chance, shot got blocked, Pacioretty scores!
4: Next, Pacioretty with the hat-trick, and it's
3: 5-0 Montreal. Not a bad night for the guy. Eh? Right? Him and Radulov, I mean, we're going to talk with Arpin later. Uh, I know the first question I'm going to ask is, why put Galchenyuk back on this line right now, at least? Well, from what I've seen,
4: he's not. Which well, is no, no, a but I, that's what I'm here. saying.
3: So Dano's on the line yep. right now, yeah. And they were all over. Now again, Buffalo can have some bad games. Uh, yeah. Like the Leafs are a team that has some talent. They have some big games. They dominated the Habs recently. Had a. Re- they were worked. They're on the Last night, yeah. But again, they they all credit to the Habs. It was there, and that line was flying. You see Radulov and Pat working together. Maybe Galchenyuk on a line on his own is a better idea. I don't know, but we'll talk with Arpin about that for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing. The other big news in the NHL today, that was the highlights for Montreal yesterday, the news today, uh, unfortunately for Ken Hitchcock, he was fired by the St. Louis Blues, and GM Doug Armstrong really struggled in his, uh, his press conference. Here's that for you guys.
1: Ken and I talked... Uh... A lot during the Christmas break, and we—I I just felt that y- you know you—you want to you, you want to extend every last breath and making it work, and we just have not
2: play well enough. I'm not sure if I'm going to make a lot of sense right now, but we we don't lose with pride, like. Ultimately, Ken, Ken is the, he's paying the price for all our failures, starting with mine. I'm the manager. I'm the quote-unquote president of hockey operations. It, it's my team.
3: He, he struggled, like, yeah. I, I was very surprised to see that. There's more, obviously. I mean, we can't play everything, but he, he was very emotional. He even mentioned he's probably, he said, Hitchcock's probably my best friend. Mm-hmm. And you had to fire him. That, that's a tough job, but again, I mean, I think that's a guy who realizes his job's on the line too, and I like that he didn't throw him under the bus. He yeah, said, I "Totally agree. With you know, that. this yes. is on me too. It's on everybody, and it is. Yeah. And even Mike Yeo, This is what surprised. By the way, I don't know if that was mentioned in that. I didn't really hear it, but Mike Yeo the is dude, yeah. uh, is taking yeah. over as head coach. And even him, he's at the press conference. You see your boss crying about firing the other guy, Pressure. and you're the one taking over. And he <laughs> says, you know, like, hey, I'm really excited to have him on board. That's the bright spot. But even Yeo said, you know, I I'm sitting here and I have some mixed feelings about this. I was gonna play that uh but you know it's it's, it's tough, tough man. man it's a tough yeah. business but again it's a results business and being a coach your team wins even if it's not because of you
4: you you get raises and, and you get credit let's face it too i mean defensively they've been awful
3: and like, jake allen i mean th- there's some question iffy. marks on yeah. on that team right now again i don't think they're done no but i mean they're only this one maybe behind. shakes things up yeah. so I, I think it was the right move and if you're gonna sell off right if you're gonna decide to do that do you want
4: a coach that's still sitting there, and you're taking away his players? I don't think so. So well, he was a coach in waiting to begin with. I mean, I mean, Ken Hitchcock sure. was not going to be there for that long. I mean,
3: so it just kind of uh, it's fast forwarded. that. Exactly. Yeah. Another clip from uh, yesterday. Here's Tom Brady. Everybody was talking about it getting a little emotional. He was asked by a kid who his hero is. Here's the clip. If you guys don't remember,
2: who's my hero? It's a great question. Well, I think my dad is my hero because he's someone that I look up to every day. And, uh, my dad. I'd say my dad represents his feelings. Um, you know, because he's, you know, he's a dad. And, you know, I'm a dad. And, uh, so,
3: yeah. Like that that's real, right, you know, like that was real uh it got me a little bit look like I give it a tissue man I mean yeah I, I'm not gonna lie it, it got to me a bit, and here's him today he was asked about why did you get emotional during that because it's a simple question right who's True. your hero if he's your hero, you knew he was your hero, so why get emotional right? right but so here's Tom Brady explaining that
2: you just have different uh you know things that your family goes through and uh, of course your life been uh, challenging year for you know my family, um, just for some personal reasons, and uh, you know just be nice to have everyone here watching us uh, this weekend, and uh, you, know, you know it's my mom and dad, and they've just uh, been so supportive my entire life, and it's nice to uh, you know to be here to show them, you know, to try to make them proud. I think there's different emotions. Um, you know, every every season this year, yeah, I mean, my mom hasn't been to a game this season. You know, my dad you know, has been to one, and it's very uh, atypical. So, you know, they're going to be here this weekend, which I'm excited about. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to, to to see everybody. And uh, I got a big crew coming man. For those
3: of you out there saying, you know, Tom Brady doesn't care about what happened with Goodell and stuff like that, I believe he doesn't care necessarily uh, about wanting to stick it to him, but don't tell me that this year didn't affect him. You could hear it there. Oh, yeah. uh, he's a very open. This year was a very tough year for him. Uh, he got into heated arguments with his dad, for sure, because his dad was getting involved. Mm-hmm. When you're not in a good place, it, it's tough, and clearly it caused some stress in his family. And I'm really... Ha- Look, he's, like you said, his mom came to none. His dad came to one game. They're usually always there, yeah. so... Uh, He's been playing for a long time, man. This guy's 39 years old. He's been there how many years? So, uh, obviously tough. And here, speaking about tough moments, I actually like this. Brent Musburger, anybody who's watched any sports, you've heard this guy. You grew up with him. You won't be hearing him again during live games. Here was his goodbye during the college basketball game last night.
2: What a road we've traveled together. You know, thanks so much to you for uh, sharing your time with me.
5: What great memories we've had over the last almost 50 years but now it's time for me to turn over the play-by-play duties to those fine young announcers who are growing up at espn make no mistake about it i'm gonna miss games like this i'm gonna miss working with all the great analysts that i've been with through the years but maybe you'll pay me a visit out of my new place in las vegas Why not? We can share a cold one and maybe a win or two. Anyway, thank you so very much for all the appreciation and all the great moments that
3: we've experienced together. God bless. Welcome back to Sportsnet Tonight. Again, Elliot Price is not in tonight, so it's not Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Well, it is Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price, but it's without him, if that makes sense to you. (laughs) You'll understand by the end, trust me. You'll understand. Uh, But yeah, so we're about to have Arpin Basu on. Uh, We're just getting him on the line. Obviously, it's a good time to be a Habs fan. I mean, (laughs) there's been no real struggles. I mean, think about it. Every year, they seem to go in a rut, and and every month it was, well, the rut's going to happen. You know, Last year was around Christmas time oh last year was right after the all-star break right again i mean eventually is it gonna happen is this team for real
4: uh look at the end of the day they're a good team they're tops in offense tops in you know like they're top 10 offense top 10 defense penny penalty kills a bit shaky but this team has all the ingredients to be a good you know a stanley cup contender my personal opinion they could use a number two center a, a legit number two center but i mean we'll see what arpin thinks yeah, I mean, look, again, great
3: time to be a Habs fan, great time to be tuning into this show, because we do have uh, Arpin Basu on the line, managing editor of ellenash.com. Arpen, how you doing? I'm well. how are you Can't complain. Elliot's not in tonight, but uh, the show must go on, so I, I guess I'm hosting tonight. Uh Thanks for it's coming on. It's a big break. It's a big chance. I know, that's what I'm saying, right? And tomorrow I'm on uh, Sportsnet Central. I'm doing his TV gig, too, so... At least wow. I know. Yeah, I know. So I'll take it, right? At least I don't have to be doing yeah. his chores at home, though. So I'll, I'll take that. You know, I don't want everything. Yeah,
1: Same <laughs> times for you, man. Yeah, that's it. You know, you take the good and you leave in the bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, look, last night,
3: good and bad, usually, there wasn't much bad last night. I mean, everything was clicking. Um, Alex radulov Max Pachareti were definitely clicking. And the question becomes look, deno was in the middle, didn't seem to slow them down. If it's you, do you even bother putting Alex Galchenyuk back on the top line, or do you leave Radulov, Patch, Red together and try to get Galchenyuk to get another line going?
1: Uh, well, yeah. In an ideal world, Galchenyuk would be able to play on another line and have some success and give that second line punch. I mean, tomorrow, um, you know, based on what everyone said today, you know, things can change between now and then. But based on what he said and what Michelle Therrien said. Uh, he's going to play on the second line with uh, um, oh man, my, with Andrew Shaw and David Dernay. Now, I think Michelle Terrien also learned a lesson because the last time Alcoutinho came back, he was put right onto the top line. And you know, Michelle Terrien had some regrets afterwards for doing that because of the just the minutes, the taxing minutes that he play on that line. And uh, he thought he gave him too much too soon. So this might be a way of easing him back toward that line. And today he was very careful to say that um, you know, he wants balance. And he he you know he evoked the Pittsburgh Penguins having Phil Kessel on the third line and how that makes them so difficult to play and he'd like to be able to potentially do the same thing um, and you know with Dano doing so well you know it gives them a decent one two three down the middle I mean you know everyone was complaining about Thomas Bokanis but I don't think anyone would complain about him as your third line center that's pretty good so um, but he also went on to say that. You know, at the end of the day we're going to need results so if, the, if this doesn't produce results then he's going to have to make changes in search results and he went on and on about results uh which is funny because he usually talks about process more than results but anyhow that's that's a whole other discussion but uh he made that point very emphatically at the end that that you know eventually you know we need to see results from this so you know deno has to continue producing galchenyuk has to be productive in, in, the, in the spot that he's been put in um but so you know, I think this is partially a way to ease him back into the lineup as opposed to the way they did it before, which was to put him right back on the first line. Uh, and also uh, an attempt at, at creating that balanced attack, if you will. Um, but you know, we'll see how he does <clears throat> with those line mates. I don't think, I don't think that should be a bad line. And I've always felt that a the Nation play on the wing and could actually thrive there potentially. So, uh, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens tomorrow.
3: Nice goal to uh, last night for Dearna. Markov had an assist. The other player, while well, making his actual full Habs debut, not just a uh, return from injury, Nikita Nesterov. Uh, what did you make of his game, and where do you kind of see him fitting in? I, I know it's only been one game, uh, so we're not going to have a full scouting report or anything, but uh, do you see him being part of the top six for, for the rest of the year, or do you think he's going to be a guy that's you know plugged in? What do you think Bergevin has planned for him?
1: Well, they seem to be banking on him being part of the top six. I mean, they, you know, they're playing him uh, instead of Greg Patterson tomorrow, seemingly. I mean, based on what happened today at practice. So, um, so right there, I thought Greg Patterson had a really good game last night after, you know, kind of a shaky first period, but really bounced back and played a solid game from then on. Um, so, you know, I think they like his ability to move the puck. You know, a first pass is probably the key quality that this, that this coaching staff looks for in the defense core because they don't, really want their defensemen skating with the puck. They want them moving it to their forwards so that they can skate with speed through the neutral zone. Um, That's kind of an ongoing battle that they had with P.K. Subban when he was here, and that's something I think he eventually learned, um, and might have actually been what what the problem was with Mark Barbario, because he also likes to carry the puck a lot. So I think they like his ability to pass the puck and and find guys on the move. Um, But, you know, he's not a very physical guy. He's, He's pretty small. He's not the greatest cater. He's not bad, but I mean, he's, it's not really one of his biggest strengths. But by all accounts, um, one of his biggest strengths is hockey sense and, and the ability to recognize the situation and make the right pass when, when it's there. So um, the question to me is, how long is he going to play with Andre Markov? What are they going to do there? Because I don't know if they would feel com- entirely comfortable having him paired with a Nate Beaulieu, and they might actually try to use that same balanced approach on the defense. So um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because the added bonus of that would be that you could kind of spread the minutes, limit Markov's minutes, um, and keep him kind of fresh for the playoffs. Which uh, I think in years past we've seen uh, in March and April he tends to slow down when he's when he's given a heavy workload. Uh, but now he's had this injury, so he hasn't played in, in six weeks. And, and if they can do that in terms of keeping his minutes down, uh, that would be a benefit and would make their defense a lot more versatile, especially on the road, because uh, they would have you know really a top. A top three guy on each line in Petrie, Weber, and, and Markov. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I think they they want to give him every opportunity to succeed. They clearly think he's a better option than Mark Barbario, who's on waivers today, and Zach Redmond, was sent down. Um, so, but you know, just off that one game, I thought he was fine. He had a decent game, but um, I think we're going to need to see a few more games from him before we can make a full evaluation.
4: Hey Arpen, it's Andrew Jones here. Um, out of just we're a month exactly, exactly a month away from the deadline now. What's the kind of chatter that you're hearing or possibly, you know, replacements as far as anybody that the Haps can pick up in order to bolster their lineup for the for the cup run?
1: Well, I mean, the problem with all the trade speculation right now is it's premature because there's only really two sellers. And so those guys, you now the Coyotes and the Avalanche, rightfully, they'd be crazy not to, are asking for the moon for any of the guys because you're getting the bonus of, of adding the guys that they're making available a month early. So... You know, I don't know if we're going to see any, any real movement until, you know, more teams have had their bye week and, and more teams kind of drop out of the race. But as it stands now, um, you know, the Sabres were in town last night. They were pretty much last in the Eastern Conference and they were talking about, you know, making a push to make the playoffs. So, I mean, every team except for those two teams out west still believe they can make it. So at that point, um, you know, trade talk pretty much shuts down completely. Um, and the only two sellers are asking for too much and that's not going to happen. So I think we're going to need to wait a couple of weeks, but I think in an ideal world, I think, uh, the Canadians would like to add a forward. Um, perhaps the emergence of Deneau makes adding a center a bit less of an urgency for them. Um, and maybe adding someone on left wing might be something that they would be interested in doing because they're still using, you know, Arturi Lekkinen, who's a rookie in a a pretty important role. Um, you know, they have David Darnay on the wing. You know, to be seen how he's going to handle that. So, um, you know, adding a scoring winger could be something that they would be interested in, but, um, you know, until we know which teams have dropped out, we're not going to know which guys are available uh, leading up to the deadline.
3: And just following up on that, Arben, again, completely, because yesterday there was a lot of people discussing, you know, well, Matt Duchesne's available, what would we have to give to get him? Let's be honest, the type of player like that, first of all, is he even going to get traded? Nobody knows. If he was, it's not taking a Nathan or It's not taking someone like that. So I'm not saying Duchesne necessarily. But let's say a guy like him becomes available to the Canadians, either a center to help with the top two lines, or that puck-moving defenseman that will help you now. Everybody seems to believe, you know, with Carey Price, the windows, it's two years. you got Weber now in his prime, you know, Pacioretty under contract, Price. Would you move a guy like Sergachev if it helps you in those next two seasons, or in your personal opinion, uh, is it better to kind of play the long game with him and, and kind of you know play with the chips you have until then?
1: I personally, I personally would consider moving him because I think everything he said is exactly right. Their window is now. I mean, you know, price, price's contract is a big dilemma I think for these guys because you know he's at a reasonable price now. He he's he's deserving of a big raise. Um, how much term he's going to want on his contract is unknown. Uh, he'll be 30 at that time. So how long of a contract do you really feel comfortable giving him? So, I mean, the Canadians are going to have to make a really difficult decision when it comes to carry price. I and mean, I think everyone takes it as a given that they're going to resign sign him. Uh, I don't know if it's that cut and dry. I think they would rather resign sign him. But, you know, how long does he want his next contract to be? There's a lot of variables there that we don't know. So, given that, um you know, what we do know is that he's under contract until the end of the next season. So that makes their window pretty much that. And so that being the case, I don't think sergachev will be ready in that window. Uh and sometimes you just you gotta move promising players knowing they're gonna flourish somewhere else in order to take a run at it. And, you know, the Canadians as they're constructed currently, um, you know, with one or two pieces the right pieces, could contend for a cup. I think the East is is tough but I think they're right there with the top teams in the East and they could probably they could compete with them in a playoff series and so if you know if you're all in you're all in and, and you know the trade of P.K. then for Shea Weber suggested that they wanted something for now more than down the road because I think everyone could agree that you know eventually that trade is going to favor the Predators because just simply because P.K. Suzan is a younger player and they're going to have more of his prime years so to make that deal then you kind of have to go and make further deals in the same vein and say, listen, our future is now. We've got to go for it. You know, they've, they've done the slow game for a long time. They haven't won in a long time. They want to win a cup. Um, a piece like Sergachev would be very attractive to build a package for a, a lot of top players. I mean, that's... He has... You know, there's there's chatter that he's played himself into being the top defenseman taken in that draft. Even though Oli Olevi was taken a few picks before him, uh, there's a lot of debate whether he's actually better than him. So, you know, you're giving up a blue chip prospect. One they're going to need when Andre Markov retires, and especially if Nathan Boy doesn't pan out quite the way they want. But, you know, at one point you got to make a decision and say, are you all in or not? And if they're all in, then they're going to have to be really aggressive. And, and being really aggressive means taking some risks and maybe parting with some of your younger pieces to get players who are, who are ready to help you now.
3: Couldn't agree more. It's going to be some interesting times in Montreal. Thanks again for your time tonight, Arpin, and joining us. Really appreciate it.
1: All right, have a good one,
3: guys. Thanks, man.
4: You can walk
1: straight through with a smile. You could be
3: the hero. You could get the gold. Breaking over, break the slip on the cookie road. Do it for your people, do it for your pride. Never go to know if you never even try. Do it for your country, do it for your name. Cause it's gonna be the day when you're headed.
4: Maybe that don't phase me. I don't got time for pain. The only pain I got time for is the pain I put on fools who don't know what time it is. Sure, I check a few fools, I give them the pain. But sometimes it's about intimidation, you know. It's mind games.
3: Elliot Prize, Gravy Hamburgers, and Fries. Worlds are colliding! Eliot Prize, Gravy Hamburgers, Welcome back to the show. You're in the second part of our hockey half hour. We started off with Arpin Basu, uh, managing editor of EllenAsh.com. We're going to move now to John Shannon. We're just going to get him on air now. I, I love John. You'll see, AJ, John, when he's on, he, like, not that every guest is good. Every guest is obviously informative. We wouldn't have them on if they weren't. Obviously. John always, like, he brings a little. He's always entertaining. I always laugh for some reason when he's on, you know? And it, it doesn't even necessarily mean he's telling a joke. Just so say something that, that gets me going. But uh, I'll tell you this. Look, uh, we're going to obviously be talking Ken Hitchcock with him. Yeah. Uh, fired by the St. Louis Blues. I don't think that's a move a lot of people saw coming at the beginning of this season. No, they started off you know, hot. That's a team that was probably a Stanley Cup favorite. Uh, let's be honest. They, they were absolutely uh, one of the top teams to watch. One of the teams that uh, everybody in the West was looking at. Yep, And now... They're sitting out of the playoffs, right? So, again, I mean, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see kind of where they go, uh, what they do. I don't know. I know I want to ask him about Ben Bishop. That's somebody I think yep, needs to be absolutely. moved. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, again, what he thinks about that, if that's there. So, like, I mean, we'll see. But there's so much. This is my favorite time of hockey. Yeah, I mean. no question. Like the All Star break's done. That's whatever. We're getting into now.
4: Which teams are buyers? Which teams are sellers? Which is hard because now, like, with so many teams so stacked together, it's hard to you know to differentiate which ones are going to be sellers.
3: Well, luckily for all this, we're going to have John Shannon on with us. Mm-hmm. He's able to differentiate everything. He'll <laughs> tell us everything NHL. Uh, John, you there? I'm here. John is Grant, I'm hosting tonight. Elliot's not in Sportsnet tonight with what? Elliot Price, and there's no Elliot Price. Yeah. Figure that one out. What? We, he's on waivers, or what? <laughs> he's on waivers. <laughs> well, he he figured last week. I think he had the Lester's with you the day before, and to this week, no lunch with John Shannon. It was tough to get through the rest of the week, right? So uh, I
2: can I can understand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's out on figuring that out. Uh, but look, uh, um, another person not going to be uh, where he is. Ken Hitchcock uh, fired earlier today by the st Louis blues uh, pretty emotional yep. press conference to be honest I'm not used to seeing that were you at all surprised by this move and ultimately what do you think went wrong in st. Louis
5: I'm not surprised um, grant i mean it's it's been it's been uh, bubbling for a while anybody around the club has been uh, hinting that things just aren't working there. There was a disconnect between the coaching staff, uh, and the players. Um, there were too many things that changed from last year when they were so successful going to the third round. Uh, and this year where they're lucky right now to be the second wild card in the West, uh, you know, new players, uh, two assistant coaches, inc- including Kirk Muller gone, um, and then you know basically ken hitchcock uh standing side by side with his replacement behind the bench so it it was it was a difficult it was a, a very difficult environment in st louis and and this this really when you lose five of six and you'll, you go five and eight in january uh, at a time where if you get on a five game winning streak you cement yourself in a pretty good spot in the in the playoff race, it's uh, it, it really shouldn't be surprising.
3: A lot of people are blaming the goaltending. Look, the team isn't clicking in a lot of areas, but there's no question. Uh, the goaltending has been lacking. And with Tampa Bay out of the playoffs, the expansion draft looming, teams like St. Louis or Dallas, you know, kind of there. They're not out of it yet. They're still right there. They yep. have very talented rosters. A guy like Ben Bishop, I mean, is he the most sought after guy right can like can you see that becoming reality in the next month because this is a guy that's proven what he can do in the playoffs uh, he is a number one goaltender and Tampa Bay right now doesn't seem like they need him and, and they're going to lose him for nothing if not right
5: yes but then what are I mean here, here's the thing and this is this is what happened last summer grant is that um, Calgary received permission to talk to Ben Bishop about an extension and were prepared to trade for Bishop, got scared with the seven times seven price, uh, and all of a sudden Brian Elliott became their goaltender de jour. Um, so you can sit here and say, like, I think Doug Armstrong could make the Kevin Shattenkirk for Ben Bishop trade today, both unrestricted free agents mm-hmm. at the end of the year. The question becomes is if you have to give something up that you don't, if you have ownership past July first, is it worth it? Because there's a good chance you may not keep Bishop. So that that becomes the big question. And I mean, hey, listen, that might be one that helps both teams because Tampa Tampa certainly needs some help somehow. Maybe her would be a jolt of energy for them. And yes, Ben Bishop, who by the way started his career in St. Louis with the Blues, um, might take a lot of pressure off of the off of Doug Armstrong and off of Jake Allen.
4: Hey, John, uh, it's Andrew Jones. Among the, the Canadian teams that are in...
5: Hold on, hold on. Not yes, the Andrew sir. Jones,
4: <laughs> not okay, the baseball sorry. player. <laughs> okay,
3: sorry,
4: sorry. We brought in a special. I know, guest.
5: Montreal, I know Montreal's a baseball
4: town. You know, you never know. You know. Don't we ruin your? We can't talk about baseball here, man. It's depressing enough as is that we don't have a team. Sorry, <laughs> but well, uh, yeah. You, you, be patient, man. Be patient. Eventually. Build a stadium, you get a team. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> among, the Canadian, among the Canadian, the Canadian teams, where, though. Cromarty knows that. Build a stadium. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that, though. Uh, <laughs> I was
3: explaining to Andrew before you came on that somehow every segment you're on you somehow make me laugh it just happens and yet again john still perfect still perfect well there you go
5: hey listen that isn't that the business we're in grant
4: very we're true. To have fun we're playing very in the true. sandbox
5: of life man we could have serious jobs
4: <laughs> among the top like among the canadian teams that are in contention right now which one do you feel w- would need to make the biggest splash in order to you know to prove themselves as cup contenders
5: well, I think there's only one team in Canada that's truly a cup contender. Mm. So, and I don't, I don't think they need to do anything. And that I would make Montreal they, fans happy, heal, right?
4: Is that shots the fired? Canadian. To Toronto and Ottawa, though? Is that shots fired right there? No, they're not
5: contenders. <laughs> no, 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 they're not contenders. They're not contenders. They are, they are going to be in the playoffs, but they're not contenders. So, uh, I mean, Toronto, both Toronto and Ottawa have great young talent both on their roster and then and coming up next year. I mean, the Leafs more on their roster, uh, and the Senators more coming up next year with Shabbat and White going to join the team. But they're crazy to change, to get rid of anything that would improve them because it, they'd give up too much. But, you know, all you have to do is look at Montreal. I mean, look at the difference even last night, um, you know, with Markov's return, with Nestorov, who I think I think in the end we're going to look back and say that, that, that pickup was brilliant. Um, and, and I, and then when Brendan get, gets back from his hand injury, I think this team, you know, it, it's an old cliche, but Gallagher's return is going to be better than a trade. Sure. It's going to be better than any trade. So, so I think Montreal is in better shape than ever before. Um, you know, they have four lines that are rolling. They're getting, they're getting amazing minutes, amazing, amazing play from Byron, from Flynn, from Mitchell, you know, I mean, and, and and they're still winning, and Kerry's not perfect right now. So, uh, I you know, there's only one contender in Canada.
3: As a Leafs fan, it pains me to hear that, but I know a few years from now, when we have this conversation again, it'll be <laughs> oh, different. Please. So I, I accept Please. It. <laughs> please. Come on, Grant.
5: What do you, I mean, is, Elliot is that laughed at me. In Quebec already?
3: At the beginning of the year, Elliot laughed at me when I said the Leafs will have three rookies with over fifty points. They're going to have that in uh, in a month. They're they're on. You know, listen, uh, listen. The
5: Leaf rookies, the Leaf rookies are phenomenal. And 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 I mean, the, the, it's a it's a deeper pool than people want to admit. It's deeper than Nylander. It's deeper than than Marner, and and certainly deeper than Matthews. You know, I mean, Zaitsev's a rookie. Zach Hyman's a rookie. Brown. Connor Brown's a yeah. rookie. I mean, this is a young core that is going to, you know, make a huge difference for the Maple Leafs. Uh, they, they, all you had to do was watch last night to understand how and where they need to improve, which is the whole blue line. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And 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 that's and that's where that's the that's what Lou and Brendan and and uh, and the crew have to now do to shore up this this core over the next two or three years.
3: As for Matt Duchesne, look, this is a guy, everybody now is talking about him. He's the guy who's going, he's the guy who's getting traded. He's still got two years left on his term. Uh, he's 26 years old. It's not like he's the problem in Colorado. I understand he's yeah. he's available. That doesn't mean he's going to get moved. And and usually a player like this is, is moved in the offseason or at the draft kind of thing. So what do you think the realistic odds that Matt Duchesne is actually moved uh, by the deadline? Would you be surprised to see him move before then? Yes, I would. Let me let me let me ask you this. You guys follow this game pretty well.
5: The hottest story before the season started was how deep the Anaheim Ducks were on the blue line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was going to be moved? Who was going to be moved?
3: Yeah, Lindholm.
5: Well, no, no, there was there was one name. Come on, Grant, you failed the test. <laughs> what do you mean, oh, Cam, uh, Fowler, Cam Fowler? Cam Fowler yeah, to the Leafs yeah, for JVR? Yeah, Sorry, I thought Cam you meant the holdout. Fowler. Yes, Cam the Fowler world, was going to be traded. The world was going to get Cam mm-hmm. Fowler. Cam Fowler was going to be a Leaf. Cam Fowler was going to be a Bruin. Cam yeah. Fowler was going to be a Ranger. <laughs> no, Cam Fowler's virtual. the best defense.
3: And he's showing. And you know,
5: Bob yeah. Murray, yeah, he is. And 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 Bob Murray was smart enough to say, "Hey, I'm not. This uh, we are deep on the blue line, but nobody's moving. And I think that if Joe Sakic." moves Matt Duchesne, he's nuts. He is nuts. I mean, he we're talking a core guy. We're talking a member of Team Canada. I mean, there are a lot of other guys to move, and the mistakes they've made in in Denver are, are deep. Matt Duchesne is not one of them, and I would suggest trading him would be another big mistake. I, I think that just makes no sense to me.
3: Once again, John Shannon, setting the record straight. Uh, I agree. I thought you meant the holdouts. I thought you were talking about Raquel and and Lindholm. You're right. You said move. That's on me. That's on me, John. But uh, well,
5: you know what? You Leafs fans, you know, for 49 (laughs) years you haven't listened. Why would you start now?
3: (laughs) And if anybody was going to be a leaf this offseason, it was Stamkos. That's what we were talking about in Leafs Nation. Remember?
5: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, no, it's it's changed now. You know it's changed. You know what the talk is now. Tavares. (laughs) Is it John Tavares? But but unfortunately, the Islanders are screwing it up, right? I Winning, you know, <laughs> I know, what is six this? In, six over yeah, one
3: in the Can't last seven. This. That's screwed it all up. Can't have this. But at least they have Matthews. Look, again, thank you, John, for joining us. Like I said, always a pleasure with you. Definitely. Always enjoyable. <laughs>
5: Hey, listen, I, I'm, if I'm Elliot, I'm worried, you know, this is, you, you, you got, Elliot could have Wall, been Wally Pips tonight, you know, this could be started start of something big. You know, I mean, I don't know, Elliot, stay home, we don't need you.
3: <laughs> Ouch. Oh, man, he's going to love that. He's going to love that, too. <laughs> Thanks again, John. Have a great night, boys. I
2: see you young
0: You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson.
3: NFL time. Uh, I'm pretty depressed because this will be the last week. Not that we get to discuss uh, NFL, but that there's new things happening. It's not just off-season moves. Uh, One game left is usually pretty depressing. Although I could have said that last week because there's only the Pro Bowl left. Uh, But look, right now, Patriots-Falcons is... All the talk anybody's gonna start saying the rest of the weekend. NHL teams, you're gonna follow them. I'm gonna watch Leafs games, of course. But everybody's focused. you already know what you're doing Sunday, or you're planning it. You know what I mean? You're 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 buying the groceries if you're staying home because nobody's just having regular snacks. Uh, you know, you're sticking around. I I'm personally excited. How excited are you for
4: the Super Bowl? Are you excited about this matchup, or I was more excited about Backpack Gate.
3: Oh, I'm man. sorry, I was. That was one <laughs> of the first questions. Shanahan forgetting his bag,
4: like how awful is that? Though?
3: That's now look uh, from what I've heard. I haven't been in one of these rooms, so technically I can. Uh, one of the I was listening to not PTI, whatever's on before it was it around the horn? Around the horn, I think it was probably. around the yeah. horn uh, or one of those shows. Anyways, mm-hmm. one of those, uh, and they were talking about it. And they go nowadays that room. It's almost like a club. There's so many lights and stuff going on, it's like true. because yeah. of it. So I get it. If somebody else took his bag. That's different, right? If he's sitting there and somebody grabs it from behind him, right? But why is the playbook there? Well, like from what it, I'm that's hearing, risky,
4: no? From what I'm hearing, a lot of them now are just tablets, which I'm I'm hoping you that better you have put a, a password. password. Exactly. That's all, if
3: there's a password on it, that's fine. But imagine oh. uh, it gets taken, somebody realizes it, saves it, puts it back. Yeah. Like, you You just won yourself a million dollars because you're gonna go bet the Super Bowl and just email Bill uh, good old Bill, you know. Some plays for you, bro. yeah, like his nickname's not honest Bill. You know, that was Abe that had that nickname. You know, this guy will take any advantage he can get. I won't hold it against him, but don't tell me he would refuse that email and delete it. Stop it. It would be printed, distributed around. Thing is, I don't know if they're going to need it to beat the Falcons, and I'm not saying that the Falcons don't put up a fight. But Bill Belichick doesn't usually need an advantage, right? And you give him—you ever see his record after bye weeks?
4: Don't even. So this is no.
3: And now (laughs) again, I I feel I've I've judged. I've judged the, the Falcons all year. Like, I haven't given them the credit they necessarily deserve.
4: Not that they've um, actually earned it. Like, for
3: example, when I when Dallas, I said I, but when Dallas played Green Bay, <laughs> I didn't like that they were playing Green Bay. I would have rather played the Falcons in Dallas yeah. than play Green Bay the way they were rolling. Now, doesn't mean that Dallas would have beat Atlanta. I just, I know their offense was great. I all get right. it. But Matt Ryan is still not Aaron Rodgers in my eyes. I still think he can make mistakes. But again... Look, Joe Flacco isn't Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Look what he did during that playoff run, right? And it's not just this. Why you gotta say his name, man? Well, you no, know hey, what? Joe Flacco put together no joke. One of the best, arguably runs. Yes. the best playoffs yeah. ever. Maybe ever. even better than Montana. But now he's not that the same quarterback. That's you know what. Burt. Whatever you got a Super Bowl, you're not allowed to complain. Okay, you're not allowed to complain. You're a Kings fan. You've won. You can't say, "Oh, my team's uh, one point out of the." No, it doesn't matter. You still got to see a cup and. Eat. So stop it. Okay? Stop it. stop it. Stop it. Now, would you have been... Does this change
4: your opinion on Shanahan, though? I, I need to go no. back to this. Does it change? No. It happens. I mean, at the end of the day, his game plan is his game plan. I mean, if he had to do any, you know, adjustments, I'm sure he's bright enough to do them. But at the end of the day, look at all the weapons he has. I mean, he's going to find some way to get these guys involved. He's going to find some ways to, you know, to scheme around the Patriots defense, which has been the number one scoring defense in the in the NFL. Look, the chess match between Brady and uh, Brady and, and the Falcons defense—that's going to be huge. You're going to look at the the Atlanta Falcons offense versus that Patriots defense. How will Bill Belichick scheme around the, the top players, the big guns, especially Julio Jones? You can't stop them, but you may be able to contain them. But I, I like the I like the pieces that are in place against you know against these teams. Like it's 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 going to be a huge matchup. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I really do. But, um, at the end of the day, I still feel the Falcons have a, a huge chance to win, to win. Change of plans here, by the way. We're going back.
3: Uh, Andrew Walker, remember I told you we were supposed to have him on? I wasn't yes. sure. I hadn't heard back. Elliot on his night off writes me and still tells me, this is how good Ellie is. He cannot stay away. It's perfect. Uh, so we are going to have Andrew Walker on. Now, this is the guy, Toronto Sports. Mm-hmm. You want to know anything? He's the guy. So uh, I'm excited. Look, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, before. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, we'll have him on. Now we talked about it with John. We talked about it with Arpen even. Uh, but Andrew, are you there? Hello, Andrew. I'm here. Hey. How's it going? Hi. Not too bad. There you are. Sorry sorry, about before. I had gotten mixed up. Elliot's out. I didn't know if you were still doing it, but you're there. This is perfect. This yeah, is no, great news. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Thank you. So look, uh, we're on there now. I'm Grant. Uh, I'm hosting tonight. AJ is my co-host. Uh, and look, we were just talking Toronto uh, Maple Leafs a little bit before. I am a Leafs fan, I have to be honest. Uh, I, I will put yeah, it out yeah. there. <laughs> uh, you know, not very popular in Montreal. But... I one of my opening rants today was going to be that Habs fans are eventually going to have to get used to the fact that the Leafs are going to be a new team. Now it's not necessarily there yet. I think we saw a wake up call yesterday uh, for some Leafs fans, but the future with these kids uh, is definitely bright. Uh, what's your outlook on this team and and kind of just how long it could take or how far they are away from being, you know, a perennial contender or if they'll ever get there?
0: I mean, I, I do view, I mean, every rebuild is different, right? And, and so, I mean, I spent so much time out west, so I measured the Oilers' rebuild against the Flames' rebuild, and, and then you see teams rebuild like Colorado when it comes with good moments and bad moments. But I do view, um, and maybe, you know, Habs fans would, would take this with a bit of sugar in. I do view the Leafs being completely relevant, completely a Stanley Cup. Contender. I mean, it's hard to match what Chicago has done in the last ten years. But in terms of, um, hey, the season begins. I mean, much much like the Montreal Canadiens are right now, the season begins, and it's like, yeah, no, the Habs could go on a deep playoff run. No, no doubt about it. I think it's inevitable for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's the word I use. It's it's inevitable. Um, you know, just like you know, it's inevitable that the Edmonton Oilers, in my opinion, like one day. They're going to win a Stanley Cup. They might not win um, as many Stanley Cups as people want, but mm-hmm. they have Connor McDavid, and generational players win cups. Gretzky did, Lemieux did, Crosby did, um, and it's going to happen with Sid. So I mean, so it's going to happen with Connor McDavid. It's it's inevitable. And when I watch this Leafs team, Matthews is just you know he's inevitably he's good, and Babcock is a good coach, and Marner is good, and you know they still have holes, they still have pieces, but. You know, you've seen enough this year that if you really, really dislike and loathe the Leafs, you're seeing enough this year, I believe, where you're like, you know what, damn it, they're going to be okay, they're really going to do it.
3: I'm excited. It's it's going to make living here a lot easier. I'll I'll say that. It's pretty tough when <laughs> or, they chant 67 and there's nothing that you can say back, right? Like, uh oh, well, we yeah. had Matt Sundin yeah. for a bit. Like, come on. There's no <laughs> argument, you know? Um, but sticking with those rookies here, I, I just want, because, again, Austin Matthews is definitely surpassing expectations, but he was still number one overall. Uh Mitch Marner, a top five pick. You know, a lot of people did expect him to be good, but some thought maybe he wasn't ready. Nylander, I think, yeah. is out producing people. Which one of them would you say has surprised you the most this year like, or, or outdone your expectations?
0: I would, I would say Marner because I, I think it was really, really fair to have that conversation um, before the season started of, of you know, is, is he going to be here or is he destined back for London? And again, I mean, we've seen it so much. Like I always remember Corey Locke, of course, who was a half prospect. And like you can only you can dominate junior all you want, and you can be a great player at the World Juniors. And what does it mean? You have to wait and see. And Mitch Marner the year before didn't have a great camp, and so I think that was a legitimate conversation. And he so quickly made it undeniable. And I personally was was definitely surprised. I mean, I was one of those guys, and. and I don't know if this is right or wrong, because I do believe in building, you know, defense first, but on the drop board, I was, I was practically yelling at the TV for the Leafs to take Hannafin, right? And, and right now, like, I, I'd have to say I was wrong. You would not trade Mitch Marner for Noah Hannafin. Now, could you trade Marner for Ivan Proverov? I think it's a conversation, but that's, I mean, we were going to take Proverov there at number four, mm-hmm. but to answer your question, yeah, I think I think Nylander is a little up and down, but obviously he's a fabulous player. Um, Austin Matthews is a bit of a surprise because he's been stronger than I thought. Like he's obviously a number one center, and uh, but I, yeah, Mitch Marner for me is carries the biggest level of surprise um, in the sense that he is he is so good at this level.
4: Andrew, I'm sorry to switch it up to basketball, as being the junkie that I am for the game, but. Um, That's all right, Raptors basketball. Look, I, I understand Cleveland; they're more than likely going to be the number one seed at, by the end of the year. Um, but what do you what do you think of the chances of the Raptors at least competing or making this a series where they could possibly even overtake Cleveland and make make it past them to make, make possibly make it to the conference final or pass it and well, get to mean, the final?
0: Yeah, right, wrong day to do that. I'd be, simply because the Raptors have really been fighting it, uh, but right now they're playing against Boston and. and if there's one thing you can say, at least they own Boston. I do believe that, you know, um, I think this is a damaged team. I don't think it's a broken team. I think it's a damaged team. They haven't played well for a few weeks. Um, but the season is full of ebbs and flows. They get DeRozan back. Um, you know, maybe Masai Jury makes a move. I mean, if we're talking about a guy coming in, like maybe a Serge Ibaka or something like that, I'll put it this way. Um whether they they can contend with Cleveland is basically to me up to Cleveland. Like right now this is Cleveland's conference, it's LeBron's conference and the Raptors like their kind of NBA final to be honest is making it back to where they were last year. That's how I view it anyway. Yeah. And if Cleveland is going to do something in the playoffs like they're doing right now, you know, where they're in fighting and someone gets hurt and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're losing and they can't guard, then we'll talk. But but for me like hey, it's it's Cleveland's conference. Um, the Raptors have their hands full holding off Boston, holding off Washington, you know, holding off the Atlanta Hawks, teams like that. And, and right now, they're not playing very well, but but they look to be okay tonight.
3: And, and looking at the other part of Toronto right now, the Toronto Blue Jays. Everybody is waiting for that move in the off season. Uh, again, I'm not judging till the season starts. But no more Encarnacion. Batista's aging. Donaldson, clear MVP caliber. The last two seasons, uh, he's obviously uh, the best player on the team or or the key. But behind him. Who is the most important Toronto Blue Jay this season? Well,
0: I I think, um, I mean, I'm going to say Aaron Sanchez because I think um, their strength lies in the rotation. And, you know, 12, 16 months ago, we wouldn't have thought that. But it's true. Uh, I, I I think big things for Marcus Stroman, you can switch it up. If we know that Sanchez is going to be good, maybe Stroman's the biggest key. Because I'm a believer in Stroman. I think he has mm-hmm. star quality. If Stroman has a big year, like the year we expected last year, their rotation is up with anybody's. That includes Boston. I, I know they have Chris Sale and David Price. Those guys are no spring chickens, and you never know when pitchers break down these days. But if you're looking at a rotation of you know a stud in Sanchez, Maybe Marcus Stroman has a great year. I, you expect obviously a little bit of regression from half and Estrada, but those guys are bona fide major league starters. And I think there's a big wild card there with Francisco Liriano. That group of five could be really good. And, and yeah, like it hurts losing Edwin Encarnacion. I think people are underrating you know Kendry Morales in this lineup in this ballpark in this division. But if those pitchers go out and give you seven innings every night of, of two three run ball, you can win a lot of ball games. You know, and I know Boston looks great on paper, but. I mean, I, I think the Jays will be fine. To be quite honest,
4: do you think they're a division contender, though?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Season hasn't started yet. I and mean, right? We gave it to we gave it to Boston on paper, but mm. you know what? Guess what? We gave it to the Blue Jays in 2013. We gave it to the Padres in 2014. We gave it to the White Sox one year because they won the off season. It doesn't mean anything. Like we've learned that, right? 2013. Who is going to beat the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah. Jack Johnson or uh. uh, uh uh, Johnson and and, uh, and and Mark Burley and Ricky Romero and Brandon Morrow, those guys were going to be great. Ari Dickey and they were they were lousy because like you, you just can't win anything in the offseason. We've learned that.
3: I couldn't agree more. Look, I, yep. I'm excited that Toronto's to have no teams right. uh, that really competed, right? Yeah.
0: Hey, listen, it's the misery of the entitled, right? Now people expect more, and it's, <laughs> and it's not always a great thing. It's, it's you know? true.
3: There was no play. It was just Bosch was the only good player on the Raptors for a bit. Uh, you had Roy Halliday on the Blue Jays, and you had Matt Sundin, and outside of that, you didn't have any playoff hopes. You didn't have anything like that all of a sudden. The Blue Jays got it going, captured the imagination first. You got Jurassic Park uh, with the Raptors. I I went last year. I drove down uh, for game, I think it was game four against Cleveland, Mm. where the Raptors need to win. I I think Toronto's fan base, it it shows how much one city can support so many you know it's not just a one-sport city it's if anything the leafs took a back seat now and maybe that comes up now but it's pretty amazing you must be enjoying your time there right now doing sports in toronto yeah
0: it's great listen and demographics change too right like Mm -hmm. um you know like it's true there are there are huge sports fans like college age or in in their early 20s that you know if they love every team equally they do not remember a relevant Leafs scheme. Like, they don't, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as you and I, you know, remember, oh, Sandin and conference finals, with Gilmore Clark before that, um, there's a lot of people that don't remember that. So what do they think of the Leafs? Well... The Leafs are kind of this train an organization of what they know in terms of playoff run and sustained success. Like, there's the Jays, there's the Raptors. So, yeah, the Leafs are going to have some work to do to be, like, mm-hmm. numero uno in this city again. I, I totally believe that.
3: You brought up Sunday. I remember Darcy Tucker just flattening. I will say flattening because he really did. He posterized Kapanen on the boards. He kind of stayed there. I was cheering, and then they came back the other way. Roenick scored, and it was over. Yeah, very true. Yeah, Roenick yeah.
0: got the last lap, just like when Finnaff you know, um, stepped up and hit and hit Krejci in that series. So
3: maybe just don't get hitters. Maybe that's the the key here. Blue Jays that's take that's the hitters. Your <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, thank you again for joining us, Andrew. Uh, it was great. And uh, and look, like I said, it's a great time to be talking Toronto sports. And who better than it you it to is. have on? Yeah,
0: it always is. Anytime, guys.
3: Thanks a lot. Right. That was Andrew Walker from the Fan 590 Obviously good I, I thought we weren't going to be able to get in touch with him I didn't have the number, I'll be honest That's on me Man. Elliot Price steps in date. off the bench Designated hitter Steps in, delivers As always We love you EP So stay with us, we'll be right back So
2: you are Svetlana, And I'm just a rhymer, Swimming in the water Trying to
4: the piranha fly to Bahamas Pretty little mama Chitty in the spot. I say my clothes come fitted, the lit store This summer you can catch me on a big tour I'm high grade, I think they need to quiz more And let me get with you, don't let the kid hit you I'm the photo album Valletta has big picture The rule is, the dude is, so up, so chuck I'm a cool kid hey I once was a kid, all I had was a dream I more problems when I get it, I'm a pound Now I'm dope on the bread we can so So fresh how we flow, everybody get this down yeah, us. I once was a kid with the other little kids, now I'm ripping up shows. Yeah,
2: yeah. Christ. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Sinister fossilized our work. I am not to be troubled with Could I be a little more weasley? Yes. yes. We're on a mission from God War. Never ends. Missed it by that one. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Welcome back to the
3: show. This is going to be an interesting segment. We have uh we haven't had him on in a while, but Jorge Sanchez, uh the head coach of Concordia uh, women's soccer was on with us earlier. Obviously, it was a big moment for Team Canada when it, when you're talking Olympics. I mean, did anybody capture the emotions of canada like women's soccer did in the summer Agreed. i mean it really was something we were watching now i know it wasn't necessarily the the gold or or silver but a bronze medal this isn't uh, this is twice now they do this a- and he was there to help us with this he's back here today uh, to tell us about something going on now jorge are you there hello hi jorge how's it going Good and yourself? Very good, very good. Can't complain. Elliot's not in tonight, uh, so I'm hosting the show. I have AJ with me. Uh, he's co-hosting tonight, uh, but we're obviously excited to have you on. Uh, obviously, you're going to be talking about the uh, the Saturday game uh, that's happening. Tell us a little bit about that and, and uh, what to expect there.
6: Well, It's great to see that uh, it's an international friendly. They're, they're going to be facing Mexico in Vancouver, but The the purpose of the game is really to celebrate the bronze medal-winning team from Rio this summer. I I think it's also going to serve as a send-off for the three players that recently announced their retirement from from soccer and from international play. But it's probably the last time there's quite a few players that we're going to see play. Um, With the next World Cup in three years, there's probably going to be a pretty significant changeover. So it might be the last time we get to see this generation of players on the field together.
3: And I was just talking about a little bit before you came on. They won the bronze this time. Uh, and again, I mean, they really didn't disappoint. They they played very well. And obviously when they really captured uh, Canada for the first time, uh, where everybody was paying attention, this is twice now in a row uh, they did it. W- what did this team mean to, to women's soccer in Canada, or to soccer in Canada even? Because let's be honest, there was no men's team that, that was capturing the nation. Um, I think there
6: was, there's sort of three levels. I, I think... They got the Olympic fan who follows all the sports and all the Canadian athletes. I think they were great for for the female soccer fan and and putting it in in everybody's attention, getting a little more mainstream coverage. And like you mentioned, they are the team that's successful on the international stage for Canadian soccer. So at least at least they're out there. They're representing it. The the game has grown. Um, They've professionalized being a women's soccer player. They're still behind the men's game quite a bit but at least now uh, it's a career young girls can look forward to playing on the national team going to the olympics playing in world cup
3: and Christine Sinclair used to be kind of, you know, even before women's soccer in Canada blew up, she was there and, and she was a name that we heard. But now you're hearing more and more names. And, and just I heard you kind of go over it before. You said there was going to be a few retirements, the three of them. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, about who it was and, and kind of uh, what they meant? I know uh, we were talking earlier and you told me you were very close with, with two of them. You had coached them.
6: Yes, um there were three players uh, about two, three weeks ago, announced their retirement from soccer. Um, Melissa Tangredi from Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then you had two Quebec players, Marie Evno and Rihan Wilkinson. Um, the two Quebec players, I coached them early on with the Quebec teams. Uh, I know them quite well. Uh Rian Wilkinson actually came out to Concordia to speak to my Stingers team in the fall. Um, they've They've been great ambassadors. All three of them have been great ambassadors for the program. They've all taken a slightly different path. Um, Marie Evnault was in and out of the, the team over the last decade. She was actually an alternate in Rio, but she still was a player that had a significant influence on the younger players. Reen and, and Melissa have been around uh, for over a decade. They've been mainstays in the program, um, and I think there's going to be a leadership void as they step away. So it's great that they get to play with their teammates one more time, and, and we're going to see a new generation um Coach Herdman just called in a, a new set of players to, to kick off the year, and there's a lot of 15-, 16-, 18-year-olds on his new list. So I think he's starting to prepare the next generation, the next set of players that are going to step up and, and hopefully replace the Christine St. Clairs and all the others.
3: And again, look, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert when it comes to you know scouting in, in soccer. I know in hockey, right, you have the Sidney Crosby in the leagues, but McDavid at a young age, you can tell what he was going to be. I don't know if it's that translatable in soccer, but is there anybody right now in the younger uh, state, or maybe that was already on the team, you know, that like you said, the, those leadership roles are stepping down, but maybe somebody younger on the team or who will be on the team to keep our eye on? Well, uh,
6: just recently, Kadisha Buchanan, and Ashley Lawrence, two kids, you know, two players who just finished their university careers in the NCAA, both signed for professional teams in France. So now it's not about staying local. It's not about playing in the women's pro league in the U.S. They're actually branching out. Uh, the French women's league is arguably uh, one of the best in the world. Lyon uh, and Paris Saint-Germain are two of the biggest names, two of the biggest clubs in women's soccer. And they've signed over there. Uh, so... I think those are probably going to be the two pillars of the generation of players going forward into the next World Cup uh, in 2018, uh, sorry, uh, 2019, and to the next Olympics in 2020. But below that, uh, you have Jesse Fleming, uh, who's a freshman at UCLA, and by all accounts had an incredible first year. We, she was a mainstay; she started every game in Rio, and I, I think she's probably one of the most complete players, as great as Saint uh, Christine St. Clair was. Jesse Fleming is a real complete player. Uh, The the future looks bright.
3: Well, that's look, the present was was pretty right. Uh, So I I know this. That was one thing that almost every Canadian was marking on their calendar leading up to the Olympics was those women and and watching them try to compete that that game against the U.S. still uh, the time before. I'm still... Livid about it, and I wasn't even a passionate soccer fan necessarily, and and it still bothers me uh, the way that went down. Uh, But but I have a question for you here. Look, it's not even focusing on on the women's side, but but you're a soccer coach. You're obviously you're not coaching a sport you're not passionate about. I'm sure you've loved it for a long time. Uh, Did you hear any of Marco Van Basten's suggestions for rules changes and rule changes in soccer?
6: Yeah, I I think soccer has traditionally been a sport that. Is slow to change. Is slow to adapt. Mm-hmm. And I think the number of games. There's a lot of things that have put out, They talked about something called an orange card, sort of a like a 10 minute penalty that you, it's not enough to warrant a full sending off, but it's more serious than just getting a yellow card. He talked about changing the substitution rules. Um, you know, they talked about expanding the World Cup to 48 teams. So I think soccer is realizing that with uh, being a global game with the demands on the athletes, more and more games with the Champions League and the Cups and the League Cups and the the regular leagues, and and then for those who play on their international teams, there's just too many games. And to have games where you can only make three substitutions, it's tough on players. So I think anything that makes the game more watchable, anything that makes the game broaden the fan base, I, I don't see why they wouldn't want to change it.
3: 'Cause I look, I know there's there's a way you can you can kind of play with it and tinker with it. Tinkering is okay, but once you go and change something fundamental, it's it's kind of a, a delicate situation. But one of them was no offsides, right? Is that's I've heard some soccer fans say that's like blasphemy. Uh it wouldn't even be the same game anymore. Do you agree with that or do you think let's say they changed it in your league right now that this season was gonna be no offsides? Do you feel like that would be something that would make it, uh, you know, a, a faster-paced game or, or maybe better?
6: It, it, it would be like anything else. It, it's like when in hockey they removed the center line, mm-hmm. and, and you could you could stretch past. It'll 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 be an adaptation period. It'll certainly make the game much more offensive. It, it'll be confusing for people who've played under a certain set of rules for so long. But then teams will catch up and and they'll change tactically to adapt for it. Um, you know, there's a few rules that. Are really, really confusing. The offside rule is one of the rules that is so open to interpretation and, and it's probably the one that has the most controversy. Um, the, the other one is the throw in. Soccer is a sport that by definition, you don't use your hands except to do throw in. If there's been discussion of changing all the throw ins into kick in. So basically you get a free kick at any point in the field. Anytime the ball's kicked out of field, that would certainly have an impact. Um, you can have now players taking balls from the sideline and kicking it right into the penalty spot for an opportunity. So I think it's good that they look to make the game a little more offensive. I don't want to take everything out. I don't think you need to have, you know, scores of 10-8 to make soccer exciting. But certainly if you create a few more offensive uh, chances, you're going to get a new generation of fans.
3: I think this is very interesting. Again, I'm not saying two changes. It's one sport I've never heard somebody say rule changes. You know, like you said, it's... It's a sport where it's kind of like baseball, right? People don't like changing it, maybe because it's been around for so long. Uh, But it was interesting to see, like I said, somebody who obviously coaches, you know the ins and outs of it, uh, say that. This one, completely random. uh, Again, more just, I'll ask hockey players, you know, uh, back in the day, Gretzky or Lemure, I'll ask football players, right? Brady or Manning. who Who is the best player in the world? Is it Messi or Ronaldo in your opinion? I know they're different players, but which side do you take?
6: I'd say if you're looking at the best player in terms of all well-rounded, the technical ability, the game-changing ability, making everybody around him better, I'd probably go with Messi. Um, If you're looking about a player who can change a game by himself um, without necessarily depending on those around him, I'd say Ronaldo. Um, But one could argue there's a goalie out there that's the best player because he's the one Mm -hmm. who keeps your team in the game. I think it's what you value. But definitely those two, uh, if you look at their statistics, if you look at the teams they play on and and how they've influenced the results, they're incredible players. Um, We sort of have uh, something similar here in Canada and the U.S. Um, We have Christine St. Clair, arguably Canada's greatest player ever. Mm -hmm. And you have um, Abby Wambach, who recently retired in the U.S. uh, after the World Cup in 2015. And they had an interview where the two players were side by side and they were sort of comparing each other. And Ambie Wombach made an interesting comment where she said, I think Christine St. Clair is a much better player than I am because in the U.S., I've always had a great supporting cast. I've always played alongside great players. Christine St. Clair has carried the Canadian team for over a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, To have someone that's the second leading all-time scorer in women's soccer for a team that was never ranked higher than 10th or 9th up until recently, that's a pretty incredible accomplishment. So I think... I think it's not just being a great player and scoring a lot of goals. It's how you elevate everybody around you.
3: I couldn't agree more, Look. I mean, when when you say it like that, it is all uh, opinion based. One thing I'll say is not debatable is that Canada women's soccer right now is at a better place. Uh, than it's ever been, uh, and at least in my lifetime. And like you said, it seems like bright times are ahead. That's music to my ears. Uh, look, thanks a lot for coming on. And look again, Concordia Stingers soccer coach, you're training women. You just said you coach some of them, right? That that are there. Keep doing what you're doing because these coaches, maybe it's in the water, maybe it's in the coaching. Who knows? But something's working.
6: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's a great time to be a coach in women's soccer. Uh, John Herdman has said his goal is by the next World Cup to have Canada ranked number one in the world. Well, He's gone from 10th to 4th. Uh, I wouldn't put him past him being able to get the team up to number
3: one. Well, hopefully next time we talk, we're, we're moving up. We were at 4, he said, <laughs> so maybe 3. You know, you got to go baby steps, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very yeah. much again for joining us and uh, taking the time. really do appreciate uh, it.
6: Always a pleasure to talk talk with you guys.
3: How we day? That's Jorge Sanchez, everybody. Concordia Stingers, soccer coach. Uh, Again, like I said, exciting time to be in Canada. And it's not just soccer. Look, men's soccer is kind of the only thing right now that we're just nowhere to be found. Everything else, everything else. Tennis, we're all of a sudden good on up up, uh, on, yep. on men and women's and young and old. Yep. We, you know, golf, we're, we're starting to compete. Yep. Uh, baseball, we have, I'm mean, just saying, Canada is, basketball is the well, best yeah, example. Exactly, yeah. So for me, look, uh, I'm excited to be Canadian. We're not just a hockey country anymore. But well, we're still the well, we're best still at that, best. too. Exactly. So don't even try <laughs> to step on, on our toes when it comes to that. Uh, look, we're going to take a quick, quick break. We'll come back. We're going to get to that NFL stuff we were talking about earlier uh, that we didn't get to go through. Thank you for being with us. We'll be back in a bit.
4: All you
1: want a piece of me? Price. Well, you just mind your p's and q's, Buster. Let's rumble, and remember who you're dealing with. He's no David Suzuki, but he knows
3: stuff. You're tuned in to Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price, right here on
1: 1280 AM, Montreal. Say good night to the bad guy. It's go time. Yes. You're gonna heat lightning, and you're gonna crack thunder.
4: We were
3: talking NFL before a little bit of Super Bowl. Andrew Walker told us he was going to join us. I didn't think we were going to be able to get a hold of him. So obviously we had to jump on that. It was good. Uh, and a great segment. Yeah, again, I mean, I mean, look, when you can, in a 10 minute segment, when you can talk Toronto Maple Leafs and where they're heading, yep. Toronto Raptors and where they are, and Toronto Blue Jays and where they are. I mean, this is, uh, again, I mean, we talked about Canada, Toronto, same thing. And Montreal, we don't have a lot of teams here, no. but, Montreal Impact had a very good year. Yeah. Toronto FC, too. I didn't even mention that That's when we true, talked yeah, earlier. Absolutely, yeah. uh, But again, I mean, every sport right now here, and even all the Canadian hockey teams, look at last year. Compared to this year. Last year, who, who was good? <laughs> None. <laughs> None. <laughs> None. Nobody made it. Nobody. Montreal None. was the only chance, and then they collapsed. Oh, they were bad, uh, and man. the rest of the teams, not just were bad. We we all sucked. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you look at it this year, every Canadian team has a chance at the moment. I'm not saying they'll all make it. No. But even Vancouver has clawed their way out of the basement. Uh, they, they, I don't know if they're still in it, but they were in one yesterday. Uh, Calgary's right there. Winnipeg, right. So Edmonton's I'm just saying. So Edmonton, yep. I think, I think Edmonton, Toronto, and Ottawa, are it's Montreal right they, now by yeah, themselves because yeah. they're guaranteed. Then you got Edmonton, oh, Ottawa, Ottawa, Toronto. Yeah. Winnipeg is like the border. Yeah. They're right under there, but still maybe above the rest. But mm-hmm. Winnipeg, Calgary, Vancouver. There. Uh, hey, look. Uh, and the Western Conference. You know, look, the Western
1: Conference tough. is
4: tough. No,
3: it's like, tough. And and the East this year looks good. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I still don't like the playoff system, but that's a whole other no, conversation. Totally uh, but look, back to the, the Super Bowl stuff. Here's one clip. I'm gonna play a few here. Uh, we'll start with, Uh, Julian Edelman was asked a question, Sal Palantonio was with him, and he asked him something, and I want your theory on this uh, when I'm done, because I've always said this, I said this before the year, when when Tom Brady got suspended, it was a problem for the rest of the NFL, and when we used to do a show together, Mm -hmm. Tom Brady had to hold the flake gate before that, or Tom Brady had, he's been in trouble a few times, or been angry, remember (laughs) when he had that, remember when we were doing our old show? Tom Brady lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh no, that was last year. That was last year. Tom Brady yeah. lost yeah. to the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, he's done. Patriots are done. Tom Brady's done. What do you do after that? Oh, he won the Super Bowl. Went just yeah. scored like forty something a game. Well, here's Julian Edelman getting asked what, uh, pretty much what's going on with the Patriots and and why why the turnaround this year.
1: I always like to say it's unprecedented what what Tom Brady had to go through this year in terms of a four game suspension. Take away the face of the franchise, the face of the NFL. But to come back to the Super Bowl, get your team back, what do you think was the secret to that happening?
2: You know, uh, I I don't think it's a secret that, uh, you know, a mad Tom Brady's not a good Tom Brady to go against. So uh, I don't know if he was mad, but he was playing like it.
3: First of all, I love that. I don't know if he was mad, but he was playing like it. I I love that. I thought that was great. And I agree. Angry Tom Brady is a Tom Brady that is coming for blood. Like It's kind of like because Belichick doesn't take his foot off the gas, right? We know that. But Tom Brady can, right? They don't. These are two guys that love a challenge, it almost feels like, right? Oh, wait, I can't do this? Watch me. You know yeah. like it's yep. and I I compare in UFC Conor McGregor the same thing it's it's a guy who should never be where he got to Probably was some. He was on welfare in Ireland. Someone told him he can't do something. It, some people feed off that. They have True. that in them where they are. It's probably a mental issue. To be honest, I'm the not great even saying ones are always when you, like that, When though. you focus that much on something, it's not normal. Yep. It's not something. When we look at it and say, "How come we can't be like that?" Because it's not normal. No. And that's why they are who they are. Yeah. Right? Like
4: Jordan, you, you think of all the greats that have that drive. They were obsessive. Just, exactly. Obsessive. Not it was, like it was ridiculous. How they pushed everybody, knowing that they're not on the level, you know, knowing that their teammates may not be on his level of of drive and passion, but you try and lift them as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And Brady, as much as I hate the guy, like I hate the Patriots, but you gotta respect what Brady has been through. Never mind the fact that there's a the flake gate, there's you know being suspended, which I don't think I thought it was ridiculous, but you you piss a guy like this off. Watch out. This it's, it's not going to be it's going to be ugly. It's going to be 2 for 2. He's one game away from being
3: two for two on Super Bowls since you started since this deflategate thing. <laughs> just put the issue to bed. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys and other teams would like a Super Bowl. Exactly. For God's sakes, let this guy go. Yeah, Don't motivate him. No. Oh man, and I, I got to say it. Look, like everybody at the beginning of the year. Oh, is this the year the Bills or the Dolphins or the stop. or is this the year they they go because they're going to get a four game head start? Or no, It's not. No, no. They almost started Julian Edelman at quarterback one game, right? I honestly think they would have <laughs> yeah. won. That's not <laughs> even a joke. Yeah. I honestly think they would have found a way to win. They had to play Brissett. Brissett was hurt, mm-hmm. and Rex Ryan is a tough coach to beat defensively. Yeah. When you got a third string quarterback, and he's seen him play, yeah. and he knows what he's comfortable with, you can't put a new offense in in a week. Wow. Uh, they looked bad that week, but outside of that,
4: I mean, it didn't matter who was with them. Uh, they, they were doing it. So look, I, the league was on notice when they smoked Arizona. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Oh, there's like, no like, question. Like when mm-hmm. you beat Arizona, I'm sorry, but like the league is on notice that. It, at that point, it's almost like you don't have to worry too much about when Brady comes back because when he comes back, once you beat Arizona, you, you, you handle your business. Because that was the only game that they figured they weren't going to really... That's what scares
3: me a bit, though, yeah. about the Patriots right now. is I agree there's a lot telling me. Falcons plus the three, 2 You're yeah. getting the points. This offense is unstoppable. Julio Jones mm-hmm. is... I, I still think Antonio Brown is the number one receiver, but they're different yeah. types of receivers. Julio Jones is that physical beast. threat. He's mm. a beast. He's like Terrell Owens with a little bit of Randy Moss cuz he's he's got the speed, exactly. but he's he's also very strong. Like he, he Antonio Brown to me does more in a sense, like yeah. but that's he's a slot guy that mm-hmm. can do big plays. Julio Jones is the best all-around receiver when it comes to that, like the size and everything. And he's proven it. He proved it. Look, he was hurt last week. He he looked... Or two weeks ago, sorry. He was was unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, I know the feelings were hurt of of, uh, that. But they've done it against, look, the Seahawks, uh, the Packers. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't matter right now. The Falcons are rolling, and it's not like they just got hot at the playoffs. They've been like this all year. Uh, Freeman and Coleman in the backfield are both studs. I'm just saying... Vic Beasley better get some pressure on the Patriots because if you don't pressure them every time Bill Belichick has a bye week or an extra week to prepare, or you just mentioned Garoppolo against Arizona, right? He had a full summer. What happened? Yeah. Right? doesn't matter. Arizona was supposed to be a Super Bowl favorite. Exactly. Now, they didn't end up what they were. And it doesn't mean... Uh, but it doesn't take away from the fact they were a contender they were at in that point. the point. Yeah. yeah, and again, I mean, we saw what happened there. It was, it was pretty incredible. Here's something on NFL First Take today I'm going to play real quick here, uh, where they're talking about Rob Gronkowski, and essentially, if he should be, let go. <laughs> Here's Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman.
4: I think this is something they should strongly consider.
5: They are here without him. Yet again, because of his health. Now they don't win Super Bowls without Gronkowski usually, but here's the reality: this a fragility factor. He's he's relatively fragile. If you can get prime value for him, you do it. If you can't, you don't let him go for nothing. But he's not
0: reliable only because of his health. Yeah, that's the thing about Belichick. So I said earlier, in the, in a hard cap league, the GM, their job number one is. Allocate your resources properly. Price commodities, meaning players, exactly right in the draft with free agency, etc. And Gronk is ridiculously great at his position, but his health is is an open question. If they win the Super Bowl without him, I think that shows you
3: that if you can get something good, you move them. Agreed. I see. This is where I differ. Look, I understand what you're saying. If you win without him. Then it proves something. Yeah, it proves you can win without him. It doesn't mean having him doesn't help you be oh, better. No, no, no. And I get the, the argument, but I don't think these it's not the NHL. Okay, you're not moving a guy and getting equal value. True. The Dallas Cowboys could trade Tony Romo this offseason, who can honestly if you look at last year, okay? Last year, what did Tony Romo do? He had the best QB rating in the NFL. Right. Best QB rating. Not I'm not saying he's the best quarterback, but he literally played the best at the right, position. Yes. Uh, and that's what I mean, that's all you can base it on, right? Mm-hmm. And he has proven if you look recently, he has been, without a doubt, one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league the last few years. I'm not talking about clutch, I'm not talking about playoffs, but all these teams need a quarterback. Dallas is gonna try to trade him. Nobody's taking that. No. Or you're not getting a first round pick. You know what I mean? Like Sam Bradford getting a first round pick blew my mind. Yeah. I, I still can't no. believe that. Because you see guys, Randy Moss got traded for a sixth round pick. You know, guys get moved constantly for nothing. It's usually, okay, LaShawn McCoy, you'll get Kiko Alonso. Right. Like a guy we weren't, we didn't see as part of it anyways. You're not getting something that's going to really help the Patriots' future here with Rob Gronkowski. And without him, I, I'm just saying, I know Tom Brady can do it without him, but eventually Tom Brady's going to slow down. Yeah, And and Rob Gronkowski puts up
4: touchdowns like receivers. have. Ne- forget tight end. He is... Well, like Stephen A. said, I mean, he's not reliable. And at the end of the day, you're you Sydney
3: Crosby is fragile, technically, right? How many concussions right, has he had? But he's still games. Sydney Crosby. I agree. Yeah, there's eighty-two games
4: as opposed to sixteen in Or Stamkos, in the NFL. right? Yeah, Stamkos exactly. now. Yeah. You still
3: you're not taking him on your team next year?
4: Oh, of course, oh, no question. But the idea for me, where I I see their point, is that where you have a guy like Gronkowski, who is as dominant a tight end as mm-hmm. we may ever see in the league, there's always going to be another guy for Bill Belichick. I mean, it's,
3: I just don't, don't know if there's another like I know you can you can uh, replace the West Walker with Julian Edelman. You you can replace Julian Edelman with Amendola. You can replace yeah. Amendola, who's replacing Edelman
4: with Hogan. <laughs> with Hogan exactly. You could do all that with
3: those <laughs> slot receivers. I get that, but they have yeah. yet to replace Randy Moss when he left there. True, twenty three touchdowns. What's the next receiver who had the most? But did no they, receivers had ten since him.
4: But do they really need a Randy Moss? Considering I'll say at this, now?
3: they won a Super Bowl last year, the first time, and again yeah. on a fluke play. Uh, yeah, that again, yeah. but they've lost when they, when they had Randy Moss, they lost on a fluke play. I'm not saying yeah. it, but they're not the team that's there every year. They they've struggled to get there a little bit. Right. Look, Denver last year, uh, yeah, Denver last year. Sorry, mm-hmm. oh, I said last year before with the Patriots. I meant two years well, it was ago. Two years ago, you're right. But, yeah, but again, uh, Denver last year shut. They made Brady look bad. Like there are teams that can do this. A guy like Gronkowski is, but
4: not every team. It's hard has to replace. Top, Just put it that way. It's not every team has a top defense like Denver
3: no and, and that's true and that's true uh, I'm really mad because we ran out of time uh, to do the uh, Le'Veon Bell wrote a, sh- wrote a song he, <laughs> his name is Juice he's actually a rapper he wrote a song called Shrimp Bayless <laughs> put it low a bit Santiago just a bit here I'm just gonna play it in the back this is not a joke Shrimp Bayless okay the best football, right? turn up just a little bit
4: yeah bro well see Le'Veon Bell is one of the unique guys
3: there's Shannon Sharp in the oh, back yeah, for sure but, uh, oh, hold on. But while he sets this up, I'm going to play a little bit. But he actually wrote this. I thought it was a joke when I saw it. So I was on air last night, saw this. And I'm going to play Skip Bayless' response to this after. But I just want you to hear a little bit of it. Shrimp Bayless, though. Do you not want it?
4: Do you like Skip? No. Me neither does no. Livia. Yeah. Shrimp Bayless. I've been hearing you lately, you love Jerry way too much, you acting like y'all related I got the Hall of Fame waiting, I'm the best and you hate it I don't know why you hate it, I don't know why you hate me Probably cause my name is mentioned, close with some of the greatest Then they talk about patience, you close to testing my patience You say whatever for ratings, I'm not blind, I can see it You say I'm just an average running back, no way you believe it You talking down for no reason, talking down for no reason Cause you know my numbers crazy when I'm done with the season Sometimes I hate that you're breathing
3: Man, Le'Veon Bell, it's actually, he goes on. Now, here's what Skip Bayless had to say to this, okay? Here's Skip Bayless' response.
6: To Le'Veon's message to me in the track. Once again, Le'Veon has insulted me without refuting me. I'll say it again. Insulted me without refuting my on-air points. The insults do not bother me. They're like sticks and stones. I shrug them off. I chuckle at them whatever. But the message is important to you me because...
3: Excuse me, Skip. Sticks and stones. The message is like sticks and stones. They don't bother me. I think it's sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Skip Bayless, who always... You know if you make a mistake on that show, he jumps all over you and will oh. focus on that, which is an argumentative strategy. This I have no problem ultimate with it.
4: Troll and but LeBron he sits
3: there and says... His insults are like sticks and stones to me. They don't bother me. Like, come on, Skip. Pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. Uh, but that's there. I had other clips, too. Again, we got four minutes up. We're going to have to do the Fantasy Hockey update, too, uh, which is where I, I'll i just say the scores from the game and who got the stats. But Stephen A. Smith, another clip I was going to play today was him saying how LeBron was lucky that Barkley didn't get personal. And LeBron, went with his purse, aired his dirty laundry. What if Barkley aired his? That's what he said. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? Dirty laundry. What do exactly. you think? Barkley is like TMZ. Can't find any dirt exactly. on LeBron James, yeah. but they, TMZ is breaking criminal cases now. Right? They've got people everywhere. You're telling me they don't have like a ransom out on? Find us some dirt on LeBron James, and we'll. But no, but Charles so, Barkley's, Charles Barkley's got it, it all. On, like, yeah. come on, man. Uh, like, uh LeBron cannot get a win when it comes to his haters. What? what but he what, knows that.
4: Can I say this though? I'm actually disappointed in LeBron in the sense that he had to go so far. To make his point across that he doesn't respect Charles Barkley. Well, he didn't have to say anything at all. I mean, just take the shots. Don't say the new sheriffs in town because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You win. No matter what, man. You brought a championship to Cleveland. You're a four-time champion. You won. Stop it. Don't, Don't give anybody lower than you. The time of day. He still went off
3: on oh, Barkley though. Sure. Man, oh, did he go oh. off on him? Like, oh man, he could have said one of those things on, been yeah. like, oh, you got him. Yeah. He listed like seven. <laughs> yes. Like if you're if Charles Barkley was standing in front of him, yeah. first of all, it would have had to be a fight. It oh, had to sure, be for sure because he has no response to that. What are you going to say to that? Yeah. So on, I, I thought that was uh, great. Quickly before uh, we sign off here update uh, for the only game that's going on right now. There's two later, but the only one tonight, Washington Capitals against Boston Bruins. Obviously an important game for both. Washington trying to stay in first. Boston trying to fend off the Leafs. uh, Even Ottawa as they have both a ton of games in hand. TJ Oshie opened the scoring. His 19th of the year from Nicholas Backstrom. And then the two connected again. Nicholas Backstrom from Niskanen and Oshie. It was 2-0. Washington. Brad Marchand scored again. His 22nd. Man, this guy should be suspended a few times, but doesn't every time he doesn't get suspended, he comes back with two goals. Uh, that was from Bergeron and Pasternak and opened the second period with his second goal. Like I said, always scores two goals from Spooner and Pasternak. And then Alex Ovechkin on the power play, dying seconds of the second period. Uh, made it 3-2. That's Ovechkin's 25th of the year. He passes Max Pacioretty. Uh, pretty impressive there. Max Pacioretty to even be in the conversation. AJ, we got 40 seconds left. Thank you for coming back. Oh, no man. problem, man. It was fun. I always enjoyed doing it with you. No
4: doubt, no doubt.
3: I always enjoyed doing it with you. It's a great time. Uh, and again, that's Andrew Jones. I'm Grant Robinson. Elliot Price not in tonight. I hope you enjoyed the sh- enjoyed the show. I'm thanking our guests Arpin Basu, John Shannon, Andrew Walker, and Jorge Sanchez for coming on tonight, uh, letting us know a little bit about everything. Thank you for joining us tonight, guys. And if don't forget, if you missed anything, check out the podcast tomorrow.